Welcome to the CyberLife Podcast, where we help you learn cybersecurity best practices, give you a weekly update on the latest cybersecurity news, and share valuable career advice. Hey everyone, it's Ken. Thanks so much for listening today. In this episode, you will hear from Chris Hetner. Chris is a global expert in material cyber risk and the financial impacts across organizations. He sits on several boards around the world. He's also a former advisor to the SEC or the Security Exchange Commission, if you don't know what that is. And he's also an advisor currently to the National Association of Corporate Directors. So Chris and I are going to chat a little bit about uh, risk, cyber risk, material impact, and uh, also kind of address because the SEC uh, recently here in 2023 put out a ruling that essentially requires public publicly uh, traded companies to report material uh, impact within four days, within uh, four business days. So Chris is an expert in that area. He's been working hard with a number of organizations, including X Analytics. And without further ado, let's jump right in with Chris and just learn a little bit more about uh, cyber risk and material impact and, and what we can do as security executives. So thanks for joining today, Chris. I want to dive right in. Today, we're going to be talking about really risk and kind of financial impact specifically around cloud environments, but we'll dive into on-prem a little bit. So Chris, how, do, how can organizations properly quantify potential costs that they may have that are associated with cloud outages or disruptions or even breaches? And I know it's kind of a broad question, but really focusing on how can they quantify things in terms of things like lost revenue, productivity, customer trust, et cetera? Yeah, it's a great question, Ken, uh, particularly as we you know, increasingly migrate all of our on-premise platforms to the cloud, leveraging advanced cloud computing capability. You know, it's become more of a distributed environment, reliance on supply chain exposure as well. Um, and that can be problematic, so, you know, reliant on a supplier and then introducing uh, potential exposure. So the way I, I see this uh, playing out in the market and others have um, you know, kind of validated this approach and are starting to adopt is really you know, the cybersecurity function, the IT function is there to largely um, you know, support the business, uh, support the enterprise interest, align technology and appropriate protections to the business um, risk and maintain the level of resiliency, meaning that you know, you're gonna see some level of disruption, whether it be malicious or non-malicious, it's a matter of how you recover. And so with that in mind, um, it's, it's really the, the business, it's the enterprise risk management function that's comprised of a wide range of stakeholders, such as you know, finance, operational risk, traditional risk management, traditional operations, general counsel compliance that will align those risk domains, those exposures, we actually call them lost peril categories in the insurance industry. And those perils are defined by enterprise risk management and typically working with the insurance uh, provider, could be the carrier, could be the broker, depending on their advanced analytics capability. But at the end of the day, it's those folks that go about determining, you know, where the outcomes are going to lie if an adverse event were to occur in your cloud environment. So if you play this out in, in reality, you know, you might have a cloud instance 
that let's say is exposing thousands of personal identifiable information tied to a mixture of US and European citizens. Well, if that exposure exists and it's tied to personal identifiable data, then you know, you're, you're likely gonna realize a material compliance infraction, whether it be privacy through state regulations or GDPR uh, on the European side that will introduce um, some level of financial exposure, uh, lit litigation, regulatory action. And so that's that's how uh, these scenarios kind of play out. It's, it's really run through the risk management area of the organization. And then you work through these scenarios to identify if an event were to occur, here's my expected loss and here's how much pain I'm gonna realize as an organization. And, and at the end of the day, um, the, the risk transfer markets ultimately serve as the arbiter for, for all risk areas, whether it be a flood, fire, automobile, informing how we deploy safety measures in our cars, in our automobiles, that's all informed by the risk transfer market. So that's where we see cybersecurity playing out from a quantification standpoint, is really running it through those risk scenarios, the level of validation as to where the expected loss is gonna realize uh, using actual loss experiences, and then expressing that through your exposure um, to the enterprise risk management organization, the board of directors. So if I'm a CISO and let's say I'm working at an organization that's maybe not as mature as I would like it to be, how do I, because this, this ownership may be on me, there may not be kind of the broader enterprise level team you're, you're referring to there, right? Of, of the insurance coming in and, and finance and et cetera. So if I have to go present to the senior executive team or the board, is there kind of a, a process like your brain works through, Chris, of, okay, these are, you know, here's how I kind of identify what might be appropriate security investments, and here's how I would communicate that information to senior leadership and or the board. Like, is there kind of a process you normally go through, like a blueprint to help some maybe newer CISO to the game out there that, that's gonna, about to be going through this? Yeah, actually, we, we've taken... A an approach through the National Association of Corporate Directors. I sit as an advisor to the NACD. We've got a portfolio of about 24,000 members. I actually joined the NACD as senior advisor on cyber um, when I exited the SEC as senior advisor to the chair. And if you think about the cyber exposure in C-suite language and boardroom language, it's really about how does cyber introduce material business operational and financial exposure and and underpinning that could be you know loss of uh, reputation uh, brand tarnishing uh, could be litigation um, and so i i would encourage the the ciso um, whether you're new or been in the role perhaps you know you're not sitting within a highly regulated institution such as a bank where you know proper enterprise risk management structure and organization is required. You know, I'd start having the conversations with your chief financial officer, your controller, your treasurer. Um, perhaps you have a, a general counsel, outside counsel, compliance folks. Start reaching out to those folks and, and bring them into your cybersecurity program. 
make sure that you're not running this program in isolation and that it's not viewed solely as a technical organization. You're there to serve the business and preserve value and, and having those folks on your side, having them weigh into what's important from a crown jewels perspective or from a resiliency standpoint um, or from a legal, legal and regulatory standpoint, you know, having them weigh into what's important. And then you, as this new CISO, is responsible for making sure that you're backing into those priorities, proper investments, proper resiliency. Um, and if you, you know, do not view your cybersecurity program as driving and maintaining an acceptable level of resilience with those folks weighing into that, that, that calculation, then, then that's, that's really the time to start having the conversation with your C-suite and the board in terms of how much risk exposure you have, how much of that risk are you willing to accept? How much of that risk can you transfer? And then the balance is, okay, so based on the limited funds I have, here's how much we can manage down. And really, it's up to management, senior executive, and the board to drive those decisions. So do you have any examples, Chris, of, and, and obviously, can't name company names probably, but for example, like, company ABC had, you know, X amount of dollars of risk or, you know, like let's say $50 million of risk. And then they only had a budget of, let's just say 15 million to deal with this risk. Any, any examples you can share on that to kind of give the listeners out there an idea of how they might strategically deploy capital to kind of cover the risk or transfer the risk? Yeah. No, in those scenarios, you know, if you, if you run, let's say an annual expected loss analysis on your organization. And again, it's very specific to the organization's business profile. Okay, you know, a healthcare company that might be aligned to let's say big pharma or services will look very different than a regional bank or broker dealer or a retailer. And so you have to have an understanding of the inherent business exposure, having you know, enterprise risk management weigh in if you articulate to the board through this analysis, again, gaining support, gaining buy-in uh, and input from enterprise risk management, if you find a deficit you know, of, let's call it, you know, $15 million budget, but you've got $100 million in unaddressed cyber risk, you need to present that in a very coherent, collective, uh, and comprehensive, transparent approach to the senior management team and the board of directors, including the CEO. And it really needs to be well thought out in terms of where those exposures are gonna manifest with some indication of probability. I mean, you know, when we think about cybersecurity through the risk transfer markets, you know, it's not always a guarantee you're gonna be attacked uh, or you're gonna realize a business interruption, for instance. But you know, you have that exposure on your balance sheet and it's you know no different than have an investment exposure that could go south. You know, I see companies deploy hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, with an expectation that that's going to double or triple in return and, and suddenly, you know, they take a loss. So uh, it needs to be articulated through that lens. And, I, you know, I would encourage the CISO sitting side by side with the chief risk officer, the CFO, 
with your risk management function, with your outside broker, outside counsel. Um, you know, there are plenty of you know third-party uh, advisors. You know, I, I run point with NACD across their boardroom community as an independent advisor to bring that outside perspective in. You know, put it on the desk of the CEO and make sure you it's well articulated. Here's your exposure. We have we have to sign off on the risk or you know, we need to double down on our investment. And, you know, investment in cyber is not always resulting from a blank check to go spend haphazardly. It needs to be done in a targeted way that aligns to those risk areas that represent materiality or material exposure. And, and, and so, therefore, understanding the business profile and and how those losses can impede your ability to function as a business is super critical and yeah you know, i'll just play on an example like you know if, if ransomware that drives a business interruption event that causes an outage or a delay in production because you're a manufacturer is critical to your business and you know you're going to lose tens of millions of dollars a day as a result of an outage you better be sure that your business continuity, your backup plans, your resiliency plans, you've got immutable copies of data parked away, ready to recover, right? So, so if you know, you're deploying capital and resources, make sure that that capital is deployed against those areas that, that uh, align technologically to reduce the most material business risk. And so on, on that manufacturing note, Chris, you had shared an article recently from the, I believe the Hill around the use of AI in cyber attacks. And specifically that example in that article was around Toyota having an issue with a third-party supplier that got hit with an attack. And that caused, I believe around 400 million in loss because they had to shut down production. How do you see the future of attacks leveraging AI specifically around the supply chain? Leveraging AI on a supply chain attack um, you know, it's the the artificial intelligence, the algorithms are making the attack, um, you know, access to malware and attack vectors easier. The, the point of entry is simpler uh, because you don't necessarily need the technical know-how to execute. It's just you know, a matter of you know malicious criminal intent, and you go execute the algorithm algorithms. You you hire a ransomware organization to go execute. They call it ransomware as a service or crimeware as a service. And 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 you go ahead and, and you know execute your attack. Uh, so that makes it more uh, accessible. The ability to shift and and um, evolve your attack patterns, whether it be a phishing email or some type of uh, SMS text that that you know, makes the messaging look legitimate. Uh, is is done at ease now with artificial intelligence. So the so the adversaries are, are utilizing these capabilities to to create more uh, ease of attack through supply chain through the enterprise itself. And so uh, to counter that needs to be a level of awareness that these advanced attacks are here. They're here to stay. They're they're advancing. Um, as well as utilizing artificial intelligence from a defense standpoint, you know, should should you consider deploying artificial intelligence within your cybersecurity technological stack 
within your business to detect uh, these advanced anomalies across your network and in your communication channel. So, so it's really, uh, you know, I hate to sound it, uh, the alarm bell, but it's a bit of an arms race now. And, and we need to, uh, as an industry, come together and think about you know, how do we, you know, gain an understanding of how advanced these platforms are from an attack adversarial perspective. And then how do we deploy some localized tools to make sure that we're mitigating risk appropriately? So I don't know if you'd seen that recent Wells notice around the solar winds attack. Do you think that we're going to see more Wells notices, notices going out to senior security leaders as we see more, um, I would say more major supply chain attacks, kind of like your solar winds where it affects hundreds, if not thousands of organizations? Yeah, I, I think the, um, if we look at the SEC, and again, you know, I spent four years under the chair, uh, chair's office advising on cyber policy. And we look at the current administration, the current chair, their agenda, the enforcement actions, the enforcement, um, you know, messaging to the market. It's, it's an indication as to that there's an expectation that the level of accountability is going to be pushed downstream into the organization. And that could manifest from board accountability to CEO all the way down to CISO or CIO, chief technology officer. And so it's critical that we as a community in cybersecurity are ultra transparent around where those exposures are and that you know, there's, uh, we diffuse the, the, the this concept of, hey, if I have an attack on my watch, or if we have a breach, or if we have some type of risk event, that's a reputational exposure. That's that's this old way of thinking. Reality is that, you know, we have a porous infrastructure. Uh, the adversaries are using, you know, advanced tooling. Nation states are constantly attacking us. And so we need to be ultra transparent in terms of where those exposures are and how we mitigate and, and push it upstream uh, to the board of directors and general counsel, and then uh, have some decisioning around what's disclosable, what's not. Chris, any final thoughts or advice for security leaders out there? Yeah, I'd say uh, given this, uh, this new reality around enforcement, litigation, advancements in technology, exposure, supply chain reliance. Again, you know, the ability to rely and partner with enterprise risk management. These are executives outside of your you know, traditional cybersecurity bucket and ensure that they've got uh, complete buy-in and, and understand where the exposures are, understand you know, the lack of deficiency. I'm sorry, the lack of um, hygiene where that you know, exists. And if that hygiene um, introduces unnecessary exposure, that you're transparent around it. And furthermore, identifying those threats with input from enterprise risk management and the board that introduce material business operational financial harm. And from there, ensuring that you're deploying capital investments, tooling process, driving cultural change to reduce those exposures to the extent that you can. But this is now the time to be ultra transparent and hyper-focused on resiliency and investments 
in areas that are, are going to make the biggest difference to reduce that that risk across the organization. Thanks for listening to the show. If you're looking to secure your business better or build up your cybersecurity career, then check us out over at cyberlife.tv. That's C-Y-B-E-R-L-I-F-E dot T-V.